We'll turn with me once again, if you would, to the book of Ruth. This is, as I prayed the last week, that we will be in this small story, uh, this Hollywood drama in many ways. What a great story it's been. What great truths it has given for us to think about. A story about the search for greener grass, right? That's where we began. And a reminder that God is always at work and that God visits His people. story about the struggle of faith. Through the life of Naomi, a reminder to trust God. To believe that there's always more than we can see. It's been a story about how God never leaves His people to chance. But He reminds us to find refuge in His wings. And then last week, a story that calls us to walk in bold and righteous faith. And yet a reminder that it's God's pursuit of us that is of first importance. Well, this morning... As we come to the end of the story, we've been caught up in the earthly drama. We hope for a storybook ending. Those of you who know the book of Ruth know how it's going to end. We hope for that happily ever after conclusion. Will we get it? Let's read Ruth chapter 4. I'm going to read the entirety of the chapter. And I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. Ruth chapter 4. Verses 1 through 22. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friends, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance." Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. 
Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belong to Elimelech and all that belong to Chilion and Malon. And Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord, may Yahweh make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse, And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen, a storybook ending. These two women come back from the land of Moab with no future, no prospects, suddenly, seemingly, live happily ever after. Ruth got her storybook ending. What about us? What about you? Is there a storybook ending for you? We say that phrase, hopeful that that will be the description of our own lives, of our own stories, but in a broken world full of sin, not as it should be. We know that it always doesn't work out that way. Or does it? As we walk through this story once again this morning, I want us to focus today less on the characters that make up the story and more on the story itself. Or should I say more specifically, the one behind the story. After all, this is his story ultimately. Yahweh's story. Of course, I've tried to do this all along, but this morning I want us, I want to make a special effort that we, that you, that you watching, that you not leave the story of Ruth with the courage of Boaz or the bold faith of Ruth. Those are good things. Those are things to learn from. 
But brothers and sisters, you know as well as I do that they won't be anchor, they won't be an anchor for your souls in times of despair. When you can't find courage, when you can't muster faith of your own, the courage of Boaz or the the faith of Ruth will not help you treasure God more than your sin. No, we all need something greater. Someone greater. And so I want you to leave this book, I want us to leave this book with the character of the Redeemer. The capital R, Redeemer. You see, redemption is is the point of the book of Ruth. Redemption is really specifically the point of chapter 4 in the book of Ruth. Twelve times in these 22 verses, the word redeem or the word redeemer appears. And it's not just because of, of little r redeemer, Boaz, but because of capital R redeemer, Jesus. And that's what the writer of this script, that's what the writer of this story, that's what Yahweh wants to leave his people with this morning. And so as we walk through and and conclude this story, I want us to focus on three aspects of the Redeemer. And I'm going to fold into that three responses for us to that Redeemer. And the first one is this. It all begins here. Recognize the pursuit of the Redeemer. Recognize the pursuit of the Redeemer. Well, the the pump's already been primed for this a little bit because we talked about this last week for those of you who watched or, or were here Our passage begins this morning at the city gate. And the city gate in the ancient Near East at this time and in this place was the center of communal life. It was the place of of conversation. It was the place where business was transacted. It was the place where justice was, was decided by the leaders of the city. We see this elsewhere in the scriptures. Remember, this is where Abraham went. He went to the city gate to acquire the field in order to bury his wife. And so Boaz we find at the city gate. But in addition to the city gate being the the center of communal life and the place where business transactions happened, it was also a bottleneck, right? This is where everybody came through. And so Boaz goes there to wait for the appearance of this this mysterious other possible redeemer that we've had hinted at. And here he comes. Turn aside, friend. Sit down here, Boaz says to this man. And what's interesting is that Boaz doesn't tell us his name. The narrator doesn't tell us his name. No doubt Boaz knows who he is. He calls him friend. He recognizes, invites him to sit down. But what the writer of Hebrew, excuse me, what the writer of Ruth does here is uses a Hebrew idiom, one that roughly translated means Mr. So-and-so. 
It's used in Samuel and Kings to describe places where the specific name isn't important. And so the English is translated in those other places, such and such a place. And so the writer of the book of Ruth makes sure that we don't know who this guy is. Basically, to you and I, he's John Doe. He's Mr. So-and-so. And why is that important? Because he's not important. This is Boaz's story. This is Boaz's redemption. And so we don't need Mr. So-and-so's backstory. He's an extra. And I bring that up because it's analogous to what we're doing here today. It's analogous to what we've been doing this whole study of the book of Ruth. Because the book of Ruth is really not about Boaz and Naomi and Ruth. It's about the scriptwriter. It's about Yahweh and this story that he is weaving. So Mr. So-and-so sits down and it becomes immediately evident to us as we are reading this story that Boaz, he doesn't want to just talk things through, but Boaz has an agenda, doesn't he? Boaz has a specific plan. He calls to the elders, come over here. He wants them to be witnesses to this little chat that he's about to, t- that he's about to begin. And so he begins to tell a story. And the story begins with something we've never heard about in this entire book. Land. Some plot of land. This land that apparently Naomi has possession of that has never been mentioned in the book up until this point. Now, there is all sorts of ink that has been spilt about whether this land was really Naomi's, whether she really had acquired it, or whether she really had owned it, because it wasn't normal in ancient Near East culture for a woman to inherit land, to own land by herself. There's a lot that we could talk about in terms of uh, ancient Near Eastern property rights. But I don't want to go down that tangent. We just need to acknowledge this morning that apparently there's land that Naomi has that does nothing for her and Ruth in terms of their daily sustenance. But boy, is it coming in handy now. So Boaz tells this Mr. So-and-so that the land is available for purchase. And you, Mr. So-and-so, being the closest kin, you can buy it in order that it stays in the family. Well, he's all over this. Who wouldn't refuse acquiring some more land? I will redeem it, he says. And we cry, no! We don't want Mr. So-and-so to redeem this land. It's like the end of your favorite movie. Think, think La La Land, one of my favorite movies. When the two who were supposed to get together don't end up being together. Well, whatever Boaz is thinking at this point, we don't know because he's cool, he's calm, he's collected, and he, he just brings up a simple thing. Have you read the terms and conditions? There's some fine print that I need to go over, right? We all have that, that lie that we frequent 
that you accept the terms and conditions of this agreement, that you have read fully the terms and conditions of this agreement when you haven't read fully the terms and conditions of this agreement. Boaz wants to make sure that Mr. So-and-so knows and has read and accepts the fine print. Boaz doesn't necessarily want Mr. So-and-so to know this out of a concern for full disclosure as much as this is part of his plan. This is part of his pursuit. Now let's just stop right there for a moment. Boaz is pursuing the redemption of Naomi and Ruth, an old Jewish widow and her foreign Moabite widowed daughter-in-law. Not because he is obligated to, not because it is the most advantageous thing for him to do, financially or otherwise, but simply because of his love and compassion. You need to see that because you need to see who that points to. How much more has God loved us in the person of Jesus? In this season of Advent, we've been celebrating the baby Jesus. Name Jesus, why? Well, the angel told Joseph, because he will save his people from their sins. God wasn't needy. He wasn't lonely. It was out of an overflow of love that he sent Jesus to save his people from their sins. And so at this point in the story, right now in this story, you, brothers and sisters, you are Ruth. You are this potential bride being pursued. And it's a pursuit that began by Jesus becoming flesh for you. You see, Jesus had to first become our relative. He had to make himself our relative, so to speak, in order for us to be redeemed. Jesus, as God's pursuit went, us, went so far that Jesus agreed to be made like us. Hebrews 2 We read, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every way. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's the kind of redeemer he is. Not the kind who redeems out of obligation, but out of love, out of mercy, out of grace. Friends, recognize your pursuing redeemer. That's where it all begins. But there's more to the story, isn't there? A lot more to the story. And that brings us to the second truth. The second response 
after you've recognized your pursuing Redeemer, be humbled by the sacrifice of the Redeemer. Be humbled by the sacrifice of the Redeemer. Picking up where we left off in the story, Boaz was filling in the fine print for Mr. So-and-so. You redeem the field. You get the widow as well. Why? In order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. In other words, you buy this land you also need to care for this widow. You need to marry the widow Ruth, who is still of childbearing age, in order that you might produce an heir for her late husband Elimelech, who will eventually inherit the land that you just bought. That sounds like a good deal. Do you want to do it? Mr. So-and-so didn't know about Ruth. No, he doesn't want to do it. Ruth changes everything. She makes, more, she makes this more than a good move of citizenship before a watching community or a good acquisition of land and property. She actually makes this redemption a sacrifice, believe it or not. Mr. So-and-so is not interested in impairing his own inheritance. Isn't it interesting that Mr. So-and-so, in an effort to protect his legacy, to protect his name, missed his opportunity to indelibly make his name known by being part of the greatest line, the greatest legacy of human history. And in contrast, there's Boaz, who who wasn't concerned first and foremost with his own name. He left that in God's hands. Instead, he was willing to endure the personal financial cost of caring for two widows. He was willing to allow that investment to benefit the name and estate of another person. And he was driven by love and compassion. And it all points to Jesus. Jesus, who is God, who has dwelled in eternity past in loving fellowship with the Father and with the Spirit. And yet who out of an overflow of the love in that Trinity said, I will empty myself. I will come to earth put on the humiliation of flesh and blood for you and for me. 2 Corinthians 8-9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, that you by His poverty might become rich. And so just like Ruth We are the bride who has been pursued, the bride who has been apprehended, the bride who now has an inheritance and has a future, all because we have a Redeemer who is willing to sacrifice everything for us. And so the deal is done. The handshake is made. Although as you heard, the handshake in this time and place was actually the exchanging of a of a sandal, and the scene is over, almost. 
The people have recognized the character of the Redeemer. They have recognized the pursuit and the voluntary sacrifice. And so they pronounce a blessing, don't they? May you be like Rachel and Leah, the community says. Two women who once were barren and became the mothers of the 12 tribes of Israel. Just a few verses after this, the Lord Yahweh will enter the scene for only the second time in the book, at least directly. When he opens up Ruth's womb and allows her to conceive for the very first time. And so they say, may you be like Rachel and Leah. May you be renowned in Bethlehem if they only knew that in just over a thousand years, the most significant birth would take place in that town. How these words, how this blessing in God's grace would be fulfilled. All because of the sacrifice of the Redeemer. And that brings us to the final thing. As the scene shifts, the story comes to a close. And the last truth is this. Worship the God whose story is redemption. Worship the God whose story is redemption. You see, as we come to verse 13, you can imagine on your screens the words basically one year later, right? Fast forward, one year later. And we now find ourselves at the end of the book, we now find ourselves in a happy home. The happy home of Ruth and Boaz. And yet it's not the couple that's front and center, is it? It's, it's grandma. It's Naomi who's front and center. And, and we say, why is she suddenly front and center? Because there has been this great reversal. The woman filled with hopelessness and bitterness who declared herself empty is no longer empty. But her loss has been trumped by the extravagant grace and kindness of God. She's full. She's redeemed. Not just by Boaz, but by this this baby that she holds in her arms. And that's where the story ends. Or we might say that's where the story actually begins. With a baby with a God of promise who's fulfilling His promise of long ago. Numbers in the Bible are significant and the daughter once seemingly ignored is now worth, verse 15 says, she's now worth more than seven sons. Seven being that number of completeness. God has weaved His story He has had His way, and it has been for our good. Right, it all began in chapter 1 with this man named Elimelech. A name that means, my God is King. And yet he acted as if Yahweh wasn't his King. And it ends with another name. The name of David. The one who would become Israel's greatest king. 
and the one whose line would produce and would point to the fact that there is still another to come. The true kinsman redeemer, the one born in Bethlehem, King Jesus, the one who is praised before his birth by the prophet Isaiah, for unto us a son is born, unto us a child is born, praised at his birth by Simeon, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. He is praised even now, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor, and he will be praised at his return as every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he indeed is Lord and King. It's his story that deserves our worship. Friends, no matter the struggle, no matter the pain, no matter the loss, whether it be of 2020 or your whole story, You are here this morning because God has pursued you. Because God is pursuing you. And because of that reality, yours is a storybook ending. Because of Jesus, all of our stories are storybook endings. And so what I want you to do as you finish 2020, as you go from this place today, just think about Jesus. Just meditate on His pursuit of you. His sacrifice for you. The story that He weaved and is weaving in order for you to be His. Just fix your eyes on Him. He's all you need. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for this wonderful story of a man and a woman of loss and love, of sacrifice, of redemption. of bitterness and of a happy ending. But we thank you most of all, Father, that throughout our study of this drama, we have seen the shadows. We have seen the signs of what is still to come of what has come in the person of Jesus. Father, as we go from this place today, as we begin another day, as we begin another year, would you fill us all with a greater understanding of the height and the depth and the breadth and the length of the love of Jesus for us. For indeed, it's that love 
It's that person. It's that relationship that will be an anchor for difficult times ahead. It's you, Jesus, that will enable us to resist sin as we fix our eyes on the treasure that is you. Father, we need the gospel more than ever. I need the gospel more than ever. Oh, plant it deep in our hearts that it might transform us, that it might mold us and make us. For our good and for your glory, we pray this with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.